Lord, I thank you um, for this morning. I thank you that um, we can come here and we can worship you. And uh, Lord, I just, I would pray this morning that you would lead us. Um, I think of the application of this text today and how important it is um, for us on the spiritual front. And so Lord, I just pray that you would show up in power today. Lord, I beg you that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would really work on our hearts today. Um, Lord, please come in power. Please do really what only you can do. I pray that we would leave this place today and and Lord, we would say to ourselves, wow, that was a God thing, what God did in me today. That was only of him. And so would you even just now, um, just on your own, would you have that kind of a conversation with the Lord? And would you just say, Lord, I invite you in and, and Lord, I ask you to do something significant in me, even if that's a brand new prayer for you. Would you just on your own right now, would you just say, Lord, would you do something significant in me? So go ahead and just do that on your own. Lord, I pray today that you would bring life to the words that you spoke some 2,000 years ago to a crowd of people a lot like us. Lord, we pray that you would move in power. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. When I came home on Tuesday night from, from work, uh, I, I had a, a kind of an unusual experience. My son, who's usually there, my oldest son, he was nowhere to be found. And so I had a, some conversation with our youngest two children and with Christina. And, and then I asked her, I said, well, hey, where's, where's Aiden? And uh, she said, oh, he's back in his room, and, which was odd. And so I, I went back to his room and Sure enough, there he was uh, back in his room and his door was shut and, and he was laying on the floor and he was totally engulfed in this magazine. This is the Toys R Us Christmas edition, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, he was into it, right? He was so interested in it that he, he brought it to dinner that night and, and was flipping through it. And then before I put him to bed, he said, he said Dad, um, can we kind of just work through it together and can you just kind of guess everything that I want? You know, <laughs> totally into it. The next morning, uh, before anyone else was up, he got out his plastic little battery-powered lantern and got in the corner of his room, and, and there he was just mulling it over, studying the things that he wanted. Now, what's funny is this. I can remember doing the same thing as a child with the Sears catalog. You remember that big, thick thing? I mentioned that first service a gal said to me. I can, she said, I can still remember what that thing smelled like, you know? <laughs> Isn't it true that it, it, it doesn't take long in life, does it? It doesn't take long in life to find things that you want to spend money on, right? It doesn't take long in life to find things that you would say, wow, I wish I could have that, or I wish we could go do that. I wish we could spend our money in that particular way. It doesn't take long at all. Here's where we're going this morning. As we dive back into the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, we're gonna see that Jesus is going to talk about our money. He talks about our treasure this morning, right? Yeah, the big, mean, green, almighty machine, right? Money, right? Now, here's the deal. When Jesus talks about our money, we're going to see today that he really drives us to two key questions. Here's the first one. You might jot these down. Here it is. Number one, what do you treasure? Number one, what do you treasure? And number two, do you have money or does money have you? Do you have money or would you say money has you? And we'll unpack that as, as we go through together today. Now you might wonder because, <clears throat> let's be honest, this whole topic of money is, it's kind of a touchy subject. You might wonder to yourself, okay, is, is all money bad? 
Does Jesus say that all money is bad? You might be thinking to yourself, is Jesus a downer on this subject? No going out to eat, no extra spending, no vacations. Is he a killjoy? You might ask yourself, is it sinful to have wealth? Is it sinful to to make a living and to have wealth? Or this subject, honestly, it might make you a little bit nervous and you might think to yourself, I mean, is is Jesus going to tell me that I have to give everything away beyond what it just takes for me to, to get by? As we approach this text today, it's helpful for us to understand Jesus' teaching on our money and on our treasure by asking a very simple question. It's the question, why? Why in the middle of a sermon on morality? Why in the middle of a sermon on how a a person can live in deep connection with Jesus Christ? Why in the middle of a sermon on how a person can have great influence for the kingdom of God? Why in the middle of all of that, in the midst of it, why does Jesus talk in multiple sections on the Sermon on the Mount about the topic of money? Is it because money is so bad? Is it because it's so off limits? According to the scriptures, money isn't all bad. Let me give you just a couple of examples from the scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see that it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. In the book of Proverbs, we see that there is wisdom in saving money and that it is foolish to to not save money. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we see that God gives us things, it says, for our enjoyment. In James chapter 2, verse 23, and we also see this obviously in the Old Testament with Abraham. Abraham was a man who had a lot of wealth. And in James chapter 2, Abraham is referred to as a rich man. No, he's referred to as a friend of God. Think about Job in the Old Testament. Job was a guy who had a lot of money. He had great wealth. And then at the end of his life, it says that the Lord made him prosperous again, and here it is, and gave him twice as much as he had before. In the scriptures, we don't see that there is a bleak view of having money. Well, we don't see that in the Bible, Jesus is advocating that poverty leads to and means spirituality. We don't, we don't see that connection. So back to the question. Why does Jesus talk about money? Now, if you and I go back to the motivation that Jesus gives us all the way through behind the Sermon on the Mount, the the motivation and the, the reason why he's talking to this crowd of people the way he is, you and I would find that his underlying motivation is that he wanted people to experience life with God. Jesus was talking in that sermon about life in his kingdom, And and with his words, Jesus is very compellingly, he's casting vision for what it means to live life the way that God created us to live it. When Jesus watched the people walk away, there's no doubt about it. What was going through his heart was he was hoping that they were walking away and they were knowing that they could live a different kind of life, the kind of life that God created them for, the kind of life that God intended them to have. That's why Jesus talks about money. And the people that day know this, just like what will happen here today. The people that day, when they got up and they left his speech, they had a choice to make, and the choice was this for them. Okay, do we believe that Jesus' words are true? Do we trust him? I mean, do we we believe that Jesus has our very best interest in mind? Will we embrace the words that he's spoken? I was having lunch with a college student this week and this young man made the statement. He said, in all sincerity, 
He said, I just want to do God's will. I, I just want to do what God wants me to do. Now this young man, he knows that the best place for him is where God is. That's his desire. And this is Jesus' hope for us today, that we'll trust him, that we'll hear his words from the Bible and we'll say, okay, wow, we're gonna latch on to the wisdom of God. That's his hope for us. The key questions that we'll see Jesus drive us back to again are, number one, what do you treasure? And then number two, do you have money or does your money have you? Let's look with, look with me at uh, Matthew chapter six. We'll begin in verse 19. Here we go. Verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As we've seen throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes it very clear that he is not interested in superficial things. Jesus is not interested in doing good works for just good works' sake. Jesus is not the least bit superficial. And so when we get to this topic of money, it's not surprising that what does Jesus talk about? Jesus talks right about the heart, right? That's exactly what he talks about. Jesus doesn't mess around with just kind of, oh, this and that, superficial kind of issues. No, no, Jesus goes straight to the heart. Now, when we talk about the heart this morning, what we're talking about is Jesus was intending us to think about our, our motives. Jesus was intending for us to think about the things that drive us, the things that motivate us, the reason why we get out of bed, the, the reasons behind the actions that we have. And so Jesus says, whoa, I'm gonna talk. He talks right about the heart. He does it continually. Proverbs chapter uh, three, verse 23, it says, above all else, it says, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. And, and Jesus knows that. He knows that out of the heart flows everything. And so Jesus talks directly to the heart. Notice some specific words in, in verse 19. Jesus writes this. Do not, he says, do not store up for yourselves. What he's saying is don't be selfish. Don't make life just about you. Don't be the kind of person that you store up for yourselves that you've just got this great amount of stuff that you've amassed just for your own selfish desires, just for your own benefit. He's saying don't do that. He says don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I know this, in ancient times, wealth was often measured by a, in a person's uh, personal garments in, the, in their, their clothing. Clothing wasn't mass produced and so your garment oftentimes said a lot about your wealth. It was a place to even store your wealth. It was significant. Um, some of you maybe when you see the bill when your spouse goes shopping, you, you don't feel like much has changed, right? It's a major investment still, right? Know this, the best clothes back then were made of wool. Now moths loved to eat wool, right? Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures where, where, where things are, are, they're not going to last. Don't stockpile in things where moths are gonna just take them and eat them. Don't, don't do that. And then still talking about earthly treasures, Jesus says, and, and also, don't store them up where, where rust destroys. Have you ever had a car that began to rust? I remember um, this car that I drove throughout college and beyond and it was a little Honda Civic, and I remember when it started to get rust over the wheel wells, you know? And I just thought to myself when I saw it that day, I thought, that car is gonna go downhill fast. Here's what Jesus is doing. 
Jesus is painting for us a graphic picture and he's saying earthly treasures are temporary. They don't last, they wear out. They aren't the best investments that you can possibly make. But then Jesus says, but, verse 20, but do this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, in a sense, Jesus is acting as an investment advisor here, and he's saying, get the best return for your dollar. He's saying, that is an eternal investment, and he would point straight to people. People are eternal. People are eternal investments. I mean, think about just last week. We heard stories about how Jesus Christ had transformed some lives. I mean, think about that. It doesn't get any better than that. You can't beat the return on those investments, on lives that have been changed by Jesus Christ. They don't rust, they won't be eaten away, they won't be stolen, will they? If you aren't a Christian, and you've maybe wondered before, you've seen your friends that maybe they give to the work of God, and, and you've wondered, why do, you, why do you do that? Or you've seen that in our culture. Why, do, why does that happen? This is why it happens. It's because people go, wow, everything I have is from God and I know that people are eternal and so, wow, it's changed life. It's a great investment. I was at Aiden's school a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to one of the teachers and, and kind of getting to know this gal over time and, and so I asked her, I said, how was your, how was your weekend? And, and she said it was good and, and she had kind of a, an odd grin on her face and she said, we actually, we moved into an apartment this last weekend. And, and she said, you know, we used to, and we, I kind of asked her some different questions. And, and she said, you know, we used to live in a nice house out in the country. And she said, our friends cannot understand what we're doing. They, they don't get it at all. And, and then she went on to tell me, she said, our kids are out of the house now. And, and we wanted more freedom with our finances. She said, we wanted to be completely out of debt and to have more freedom with what we do with our money. And, and then she, she looked kind of around and then she said it in kind of a whisper and she said, she said, you're, you're, you're a pastor, right? And I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I was in trouble. And so I, I said, yeah, 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 I am. And, and, then, and then she said, my husband and I, she said, we're Christians. And, and she said, we began to ask ourselves the question, do we have stuff or does our stuff have us? I mean, this is a wise woman. Then she began to tell me, she said, when our kids were young, she said, we would lay out all of the bills, lay them out on the table, and then we, so we'd kind of total them all up, and then we'd tell the kids, okay, this is how much we made this month's month. This is how much we brought in. And then she said, so they knew, okay, this is the pie we've got to work with. And then she said, right away, off the top, she said, we wanted to model for them. We wanted to show them. She said, we gave this much to our local church. She said, we wanted to show them. We wanted that to be a pattern for them. And she said, then we'd pay the bills after that. They knew how it worked. And then she went on to say this, so insightful. She said, it is much easier to be generous when you stop comparing yourself to others. She said, you've got to stay away from the comparison trap. But what wise insight. I mean, I, I said to her, hey, thanks for writing my sermon. You know, I appreciate you, you know. Let's keep going. Look with me at verse 21. Jesus ties things together in verse 21. He writes, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, now think about this for a minute. Um, isn't this true? You spend money on what you care about. You ask any grandparent why they love to spoil, why they love to spend money on a grandchild, it's because they want to. It's because they care about them. I don't know anyone, Christian, non-Christian, who would argue with this. You spend money on what you 
value, on what matters to you. You spend money on what you believe in. And Jesus is saying, invest wisely. Jesus is saying, make sure that you're investing in eternal things. What you do with your money says a lot about what you value, and what you value says a lot about your heart. Jesus doesn't need our money. I mean, think about this for a second. The creator of the universe, he's not up in heaven sweating our money. He's not up in heaven going, boy, it's Sunday morning, the darts don't tithe today, how will I feed the birds? You know, I mean, Jesus, he's not doing that. He's not sweating our money at all. And so rather, we kind of live then, then with a mindset of, okay, God, you've given us everything. And so, wow, we, we want to give back to you. This is the reality of verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. According to Jesus, we can't say on the one hand, I'm good spiritually. Like things are going great with me and God. My heart is in the right place. We can't, according to Jesus, we can't say that on the one hand and then say with our money, Hands off. Mind your own business. That's way too personal. You can't talk about that. I need to do my own thing. No, no, no. Get this. Jesus, out of love for his followers, says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice this. There's no distance between the two. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's why. It's because of this. If you follow the path of your money, It leads to your heart. And Jesus cares about the heart. Jesus cares about the motivation. Jesus cares about the why. And so Jesus goes directly to the heart. Hey, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Look with me at verse 22. He goes on and and Jesus is going to help his listeners understand the point that he's making even more and, and how he illustrates the heart now. He illustrates it in a different way. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now very simply, Jesus is saying, just as your eyes affect your physical perception, if your eyes are good, you can see, you know what's coming. But if your eyes are bad, that's that's dangerous. You don't know where you are. It's dangerous. In the same way, he's saying, where you fix your heart determines your spiritual perception. It's interesting, the word there for healthy in verse 22, if your eyes are healthy, that word is translated other places in the New Testament as the word generous. And so the point that Jesus is making is this, if your focus is constantly on money, And it's on the accumulation of wealth. How much will I be worth? It's on materialism and self-indulgence. Things that I think we all can struggle with. I know I can. Jesus is saying you will be blind to spiritual reality if that's your focus in life. A person that is greedy becomes blind to the things of God. There's no joy in giving. They hear a message like this and it's like, I don't want to. Instead of, I want to do more, right? There's no joy in it. There's There's not the mindset that eternity is at stake in the lives of every single person that has breath. I mean, think about that. Every person that has breath, eternity is at stake for them. And so if you're blind spiritually, that doesn't really matter to you. But if you're not blind spiritually, you think about that and you go, wow, and God lets me be a part of that. God lets me be a part of of making his name known to that person. You know, you might be here today and you would say, and I think of the new believers in our church, you might be here today and you would say, you know, I really desire to walk with God. I've come to know him. 
but on the spiritual front, things just don't seem to be clicking. I don't, I'm, not just getting, I'm not seeing traction in my faith. Let me encourage you today, don't ignore your obedience to God in this area of your finances. Give to the work of God and then see what God does. See how he blesses that. Or maybe you would say, you know, you're here today and you'd say that the subject, it, honestly, it makes you feel uneasy. Because you want to be known as a generous person. You really do. I mean, sincerely, you want to be known as a generous person. But at the same time, you find yourself not wanting to let go of your stuff. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, You will know the truth, and here it is. And the truth, the truth from the scriptures, the truth will set you free. Instead of it being binding to you, the truth will set you free. Know this, obedience is the path to blessing. I've never encountered anybody who said, you know what, I gave to the work of God, and boy, am I bummed I did. I've just never heard anybody say that. Yet this morning, here's the deal, if I said, hey, everybody, why don't you come forward if you've ever invested poorly? If you've made a bad financial decision, we would have a long line. We've all got a story on that front, don't we? I got an email from a guy in our church this week, and he said this. He said, Jeff, I'm praying for you in your preparation for Sunday's message. When I was a young Christian, I remember being challenged about my obedience to trust in God's word. It wasn't about giving to my church because they needed the funds. It was about what I needed to do if I trusted God. I made a commitment to work towards a tithe and we were soon tithing. God used this in our lives to make us more generous, less financially selfish, and to teach us the lesson to live within our means. Years later, I am now so glad that we were challenged to be obedient in giving. Since that time, God has blessed us, and we have been able to tithe to the church plus give to other deserving ministries. I no longer have the concern hanging over my head that I'm not being obedient to God in this area. Back to John chapter 8, when we trust God with what he's entrusted to us, the truth, what will it do? It will set you free. Look with me at the last verse in this passage, verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or you will love the other or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus goes back to it again. He goes back to the core question. He goes back to the motivation of the heart. And here it is. Who are you? Who am I living for? You know, there are several things that I would say growing up that I'm grateful to my parents for. But I've got to be honest with you. One of the things that uh, I would say rises to the top for me was what they modeled in this area of their treasure. I can vividly remember on Sunday mornings coming down the stairs, not excited to go to church usually. I wasn't a Christ follower for years until years later. But I can remember coming down the stairs and it was like clockwork. Before we would get in the car to go, my mom would be standing in the kitchen, walk downstairs, I would see her writing a check and then I can still hear the sound of her ripping the check out of the checkbook. And here's what she did. She modeled that week in and week out. It was clockwork. And it reminded me of a few things. It taught me things. One of them was this, it reminded me that my parents' income, they didn't see it as their own. It allowed me to see that my parents, even when things were not as, you know, even when we didn't have as much, when things were tighter, it reminded me, okay, we still, the, the, the stuff we have is, is not our own. I would say this to my parents, they had money, but their money did not have them. 
It also taught me that we'd been blessed as a family. It taught me that, okay, wow, both mom and dad have a job. I mean, we've been blessed. We have an income. And that there was this responsibility then, since we have an income, to give back. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, here it is, with the first fruits of your crops. Not with, hey, what's left over maybe at the end of the month. No, no. With the first fruits. God, you gave me the whole thing. The first part goes to you. Lastly, it spoke volumes to me about their faith. I mean, when I watch them do this week in and week out, and, and your children know this, you spend money on what you value, and it showed me that my parents valued the work of God. They understood in eternal investing. They understood things beyond just this earth. This is how strongly this example spoke to me as a, as a child. When I was in high school, and then when I went off to college, well before I was a Christian, I knew that it was wise to give back to God. I knew that giving at least 10% of my income, I had a few part-time jobs, I knew that giving a tithe was a biblical principle. And so even not as a Christian, I went to the local church and I gave. Now I tell you this story for a couple of reasons. First, parents know this. When you model regular generosity, percentage giving, your kids understand what you're doing. They see you modeling it. And what it tells them is this, okay, that's mom and dad's treasure. I get it. I mean, it's not rocket science. Where your treasure is there, where your heart will be also. It models to your children that that's important to them. It's a reflection of your heart. You know, I've got to tell you, and this is my hope for you today, I'm praying that you'll remember what was going through the mind of Jesus Christ when he gave the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, just think about it for a second. I mean, Jesus is concerned about the heart. Jesus is concerned about, well, where's our heart at? And in his, in the, in his wisdom, Jesus says, okay, I, I care so much about your heart that I'm going to talk about your money. Because I know where your money is, where your treasure is, that's where I'll find your heart. And so Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He knows our treasure is a reflection of our heart. So let me ask you the question. Are you a generous giver? Are, are you living with the mindset that acknowledges, wow, everything I have is a gift from God, and so why wouldn't I give back to him what he's just given to me? It's really, I'm just a borrower in this deal. It's just on Lent to me. You know, I challenge you this morning, unashamedly from God's word, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, and you aren't a tither, I challenge you to begin doing it. Begin to look at your stuff and say, okay, above all else, I'm going to give back to God because whew, look at all he's given to me. I challenge you to commit to doing it. Um, think of it this way. Do it for the next three months, for the next 90 days. You know, we're not going to have a little card that you fill out or anything like that. But just personally, to yourself, say, I'm going to give this a shot for 90 days. And just see what God does. See how God shows up. And if you can't begin with a tithe, begin somewhere. But be committed to it. The point is this. Live with the mindset, okay, Jesus, you've given me all of this. Wow, as a reflection of my love for you, what am I going to do? I'm going to put you first. I'm going to say, wow, I'm not an owner in this God, you're the owner. I'm the, I'm the one that, I'm just kind of borrowing this deal and I'm here for a brief time on this earth and the things that I have are from you and so I desire to give it back. Live with that mindset. I went out for a walk last night with our, our youngest and, and there's a beautiful sunset. Maybe you saw it last night. And, uh, and just, it was just one of those quick reminders to me of, wow, think about this, creator God. I mean, he does, does, doesn't need our stuff 
but yet he's, he's, the, he's the creator. He lets us be a part of, of what he's doing. Everything that I have from him, I mean, if you have an income, that means you have a skill set, right? You're able to produce an income. That's from God. It's not, it's not about you. That's a gift from God. And so might we be the kind of people that we have open hands with that? Parents, if you wonder how you can instill this value in your children, I want to mention to you again a seminar that we have mentioned the last couple of weeks. On December 1st, we're going to have a 90-minute seminar that will be taught by some financial professionals. And the whole idea, again, this is our, one of our institute classes. Again, it's this value of us trying to, to really rally around and equip parents. But you'll be helped equip to, to model stewardship for your family. Two questions that I want to leave you with this morning. Let's go back to them. Here it is, number one. What do you treasure? Jim Elliott, he put it like this. He said, the man is no fool. The man is no fool who, cannot, uh, who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Think about this for a second. Your life, my life can have an eternal impact in the lives of other people that will not be something that moth and rust will destroy and if the stocks go down, we're in trouble. No, 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 it's eternal. It's that kind of an investment. And then number two, would you say, does your money have you or do you have money? Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, for where your, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Might we be the kind of people that it would be said of us, wow, our treasure, our treasure is in, in eternal things. And that makes sense because our hearts are in eternal things. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And know this he said it out of love. Jesus cares so much about the heart. He says, I, I want my people. He's giving this address to all these people and he's doing it because he wants his people to do life with him. And so let us not ignore our treasure as we think about where our heart is with Christ, okay? Hey, let's do this. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. And um, Lord, we would just pray today that even right now we would think about the generosity of Jesus Christ the generosity of Jesus Christ to lay down his life for, for us. And that's no small deal. And so, Lord, um, just with gratitude, we pray that we would be the kind of people that we would live with open hands. And, Lord, we thank you for the ways that you've blessed us. And we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you really spoke as a friend and uh, as a father. And uh, you spoke in a way that you cared deeply about the heart. And so we pray that we'd be obedient to you. We love you, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen.